Hello and welcome back to the Men You're Not Alone podcast. This is episode 104. I've entitled it The Pendulum Has Been Hit. It is a winter day. I'm I'm out a ways on my episodes. I wanted to insert this one a little bit earlier because this has happened rather suddenly, this hitting of the pendulum head. And I wanted to bring it to attention and I want to insert it and interrupt the flow, but there would be quite a few episodes that will get jacked up for just the order of them. And this will be okay, but probably by the time this one airs in a month or so, it may have already come to pass completely. So we'll see. But um, anyway, so I named this one The Pendulum Has Been Hit. And when I reference a pendulum here in this instance, you know, pendulums have been used for eons and they're they're pretty harmless. It's just a weight tied on the end of a piece of string. And it's a simple means of uh, making a measurement typically for an angle or to calibrate uh, center or plumb with something. When a pendulum's not moving, it takes a position of rest, of peace, of balance, and just hangs there. Um, if there's no force being you know, put upon it left or right, then it remains in a position of balance. Uh, when you apply force left or right, of course, the pendulum will swing back and forth. It'll swing left and right. And then if you leave it alone it will naturally fall back to a position of uh, rest again. And for an untold amount of time, uh, very it's very likely that cultures have moved, much like a pendulum, you know, to the left and the right, and occasionally they come to rest at a central position or a position of rest or balance. And it seems that at some point, I think maybe in the 1800s here in the U.S., someone replaced that relatively harmless plumb bob or weight at the bottom of the string with a sledgehammer head suspended by a steel cable, uh, something that resembles more a wrecking ball than an instrument of measurement or calibration. For this episode, when I mention a pendulum, I have uh, more the sledgehammer head suspended on a steel cable in mind than a typical image you might have of a pendulum. So the pendulum that I'm referring to, so where the pendulum has been, I mentioned this in episode 75. So where the pendulum has been, in the uh, late 1960s, at least here in the U.S., there was a hit on the pendulum. I think of it as a cultural pendulum. So in the late 1960s here in the U.S., something, someone hit the pendulum, and it, it knocked the the pendulum into an arc that would be a cultural swing in the favor of women, or at least that's what women were told. I don't believe that was an organic hit. I've discussed this in previous episodes before. I do not think that the women's liberation movement and feminism and stuff, I don't think that was organic. I do think it was instigated, and that is just my opinion. But I don't think that that pendulum was thumped or hit, or I don't think it was organically done. I think it was intentionally done. And I don't, I, I think we are now bearing the fruit of what was designed back in the 60s. And that is the, the focus of this episode. So if, if you think back over the last three decades, at least, and I don't keep up with the media, but I do see enough of it when I stop someplace, it's got a TV, I see newspapers, magazines, things like that. Over the past three decades, there has just been this increasingly stronger, uh, increasingly showcasing the, quote, plight of women. And that's been going on for at least three decades. And then after 50 years of repeatedly pounding away, uh, the pendulum, I believe, 
it reached its apex in favor of women and against men a little while back. I would say just in recent history, just recently, in the last several years, last few years. And then now we look at our culture here in the U.S., and, and it may be indicative of cultures elsewhere. You know, our birth rates have collapsed. We have, I believe, the lowest birth rate in the history of the U.S. Marriage rates are plummeting, especially in younger younger people. Marriage rates are plummeting. Divorce rates have skyrocketed. The divorce rate of men is championed as some kind of noble cause. And then we have the majority of women are on antidepressants. We have a huge spike in serious mental illness in women. And if we judge the tree by its fruit, I would say it is patently obvious that as a culture, we are parked in an unhealthy place. So women now, if you look at, I I, kind of keep track of unusual trends and things. And I started watching this several years back, probably close to a decade ago, because I figured with the shift that was going to be taking place, the shift that was taking place, I was watching it take place in the culture and my information comes from, it's just a, a byproduct of helping men who are dealing with uh, uh, people who are trying to destroy them. So I, I, I started keeping an eye on the fields of psychology, law, and politics because I wanted to see how fast the shift of those fields being dominated by women because ultimately those fields are going to dictate a lot of policy and law for our culture, at least here in the United States. And out of those fields, a lot of our politicians, that is the field, that is the soup bowl from which a lot of politicians arise. So all three of those fields, psychology, well, no, psychology and law, those fields are now dominated by females. Women are not far from dominating the political arenas. So we have two generations of radical feminist theology, and it is a theology. It is a religion. It is pursued like a radical religion. So that sledgehammer of radical feminist, whatever wave this is, that's, I mean, it's so far off the rails. It, it terrifies most women, I would say. It's so crazy radical. But that is a that is a sledgehammer that is now going to be handed to those women who have taken over psychology, law, and soon to be politics to make laws. So with psychology, they will be determined determining setting the standards for what a mental illness is, who is mentally ill, who what behavior is considered abnormal or perhaps prosecutable or Maybe to say you can or cannot own a weapon, you can or cannot own a home, you can or cannot have children, you can or cannot engage in this part of our, participate in this part of our culture. You've got law, which will be the teeth of that. And then you've got these political arenas that are rapidly being dominated by females. So now you have this, what I see as potential radical feminist theology that has been branded firmly into the minds of now two generations of females, they will be setting the pace for this country, at least on its face they will be. I don't think it needs to be that way, but I think we have this very self-absorbed, oppressed, this, you know what I'm talking about. If you're listening to this, you know what I'm talking about. But 
we could have a whole rash of people trying to lead this females trying to lead this country who are uh, self-absorbed. They view themselves as a perpetual victim that all things male are oppressive, that all women are oppressed. And then you put on top of that, that they're on antidepressants and they're battling serious mental illness. I mean, what could go wrong? And that's not a cheap shot. Those are the stats. I'm not making that stuff up. I've discussed this in previous episodes. So we have this radically misguided mindset. When I look at where things could be five years from now, 10 years from now, I see this radically misguided mindset that is poised to break our culture. Not crack it, but to break it. And is that coincidence? I, I don't think so. I don't think it's coincidence, not for a moment. It's, and, and that's not good for women. It's not good for men, our children, our culture. It's not good for any of us. But I think that's by design. So the pendulum, in my opinion, has just been hit again. And I've been watching this build for over a decade now. I knew that that pendulum had hit its apex. It can, a pendulum can only swing so far before it makes its way all the way back around. I mean, if you look at what a pendulum is actually made to do, it's not made to go in a 360 degree rotation like a helicopter or like a airplane propeller. It's made to rock back and forth, left and right. Well, in, in favor of women, culturally, the pendulum had reached its apex. There's really not much more you can do to men. And this is, there, there's manifold layers to this this whole presentation, or not this presentation, but this subject. And I'm not going to peel all the layers of that onion on this one. I do encourage you to go back and listen to episode 75. I do explain some of this, and I and and so that's just a just a little heads up. This did happen. I think the pendulum got hit sooner than I it's sooner than I had expected, and I think possibly it's sooner than the powers that be had expected. Um, that it would it would need to get hit back into favor of men. I think the pendulum has been hit. And now culturally, we're going to see this radic- uh, this rapid shift to where our culture goes from the extreme of strongly in favor of women and strongly against good men and fathers. It's going to go to the opposite extreme. That is, I believe, the intention. And I have been watching this and waiting for it to approach. Or it's been approaching. I've been waiting for it to get here. So it's here. I believe it's here. I believe it just happened. I think the powers that be maybe were taken off guard just a little bit. And I think that the reason they were taken off guard is they didn't fully expect the response that men would have uh, developed in or demonstrated in mass. This is a men have been walking away from everything in our culture that can destroy them because it's, it's sort of like walking into a dogfighting arena with your hands tied. And, and that's sort of what men have been facing. It's a meat grinder. And radical feminist theology, men are toxic, uh, no-fault divorce. Women can just leave when they want. And women are the only two in the mix of a, of a uh, divorce where, you know, divorce is profitable for females. They can come in with nothing, stay married for a few years, have a kid or two, and leave with three-fourths of a man's stuff. His assets his kids, everything. They can just walk out with it. So there is, there is something to gain. Men do not benefit from divorce. They, they, get, they get cleaned out in, in, for the most part. But I do think that, that men responding and saying, that's fine. We're just going to walk away from all this stuff. We're not throwing punches. 
we're just going to remove ourselves from the fight. And I think that this has happened. I think that men have collectively, organically, and independently forced this issue. Again, that's episode 75. I don't want to rehash it. Um, So go back and listen to that. So, uh, you know, suffice it to say that men have removed themselves from the arm's reach of radical feminism, attorneys, courts, and women in general. Um, And they've done it to such a large degree that the bullies have rather suddenly found themselves without men to abuse and destroy. I think that the market share of radical feminism, attorneys, courts, and women in general, I think it's nearly vaporized. Oh, I don't want to say women in general um, for that. I would say uh, women who are in, they have a sense of entitlement to destroy men as if that's their mission in life, as if that's some kind of a noble mission for any culture and not some twisted perversion of, of honestly what seems to me like a spiritual darkness or mental illness. Men have removed that market share from them. Men are tired of, of having all their stuff taken, including their children, and they're tired of the utterly destructive behavior of courts, attorneys, radical feminism. They're tired of being viewed as toxic and being told that they're toxic. And they're leaving at an increasingly, an insanely increasing pace uh, from the dating scene, from relationships. They're just walking away. And that's because most men don't want to draw blood from a woman. They don't want to throw punches. But they have stepped into, they've, they've been thrown into an arena with their hands tied where they're expected to fight. So men have decided, you know what, if you're going to tie my hands... I'm just going to jump out of the arena. And that's exactly what's happened. So they've, men have wised up, and I'm guessing we are at a critical mass point. You know, men are, at least un, until recently, maybe this is shifting, but as far as tax revenue, I know this is, it seems so cold, but so much of uh, our world is heartless when it comes to how governments view their, the people that they're supposed to be helping things like that, really like for tax revenue, it, traditionally females have generated very little tax revenue. Men have generated over their life exponentially more. Uh, this could be hitting, you know, this could be impacting people's goals, uh, people with nefarious reasons, nefarious designs for the people of the United States. Uh, this could be having an impact on that. I discuss the ne- the uh, the necessity of removing market share at greater length in my book, which I published in September of 2020. Um, and the fact that men have done this without being guided speaks, in my opinion, to the strength of of man's of men's nature. We do confront our enemies, and to me, when you are thrown into an impossible situation, you're thrown in. You're, somebody's looking to throw you to into a meat grinder with your hands tied behind your back and men just independently, organically, there's no guidance to it. Men in droves in in mass just left the ring. That was the only option for men to get out of. But, but those powers that be those mysterious powers that be, they exist. The ones with the nefarious designs for destroying cultures to create a world in their own twisted and dark image. They're the ones that I think have hit the pendulum to swing back the other way. And you can believe me or don't. But I do believe that that pendulum just got hit and and this is about to come front and center. 
So the reasons, well, you can go to episode 75. I'd, I'd touch on that, the reasons why I think that was coming. How do I know that this has taken place? Um, I, I was just asking myself, if I'm listening to this, some of these are kind of bolder assertions in, in some of this. So it's only because I've looked at patterns. I can't, I, I, in, in culture, thought, discussion, they're always there and they're way ahead of change out on the horizon. And I've never been able to turn them off so that I don't see them. And it, it's caused me, if, if you are that way, it, you, you can probably relate to this. I've suffered pretty overt ridicule and some pretty extreme character assassination throughout my life. When I seek to discuss destructive change that is parked on the horizon and it's inevitable if, if we as a culture don't intervene and change our course. And I'm not special. I just simply can't turn that off. I've been that way since I was a kid. I can't unsee those patterns. And to me, they read like a roadmap to either beneficial or destructive things that I see in cultures. And it's typically out of ways. But people, you know, people I learned young that people enjoy hearing about patterns in life that suggest positive cultural shifts, you know, coming ahead. But if you mention that there is a destructive cultural trend on the horizon, uh, people can get, they will get angry and even violent at that mere suggestion. And it's a, I think it's a bizarre phenomenon that I think probably ties back to more of how much we wrestle with uh, humility. I think, it ha- I think it's more of a reflection of our arrogance in an unwillingness to accept the fact that we could be deceived, that we are deceived, and we are deceived regularly. I think that's what makes people mad, is because it somehow implies that we are deceivable and already deceived when I bring up something that I say, hey, look, down the road, this right here could be a problem if we don't deal with it. Uh, but anyway, so the and long story short, I eventually just stopped mentioning or discussing patterns that I saw in a culture, in our culture, except with just a handful of people that I've had a mutual trust with for decades. And it's kind of why I refused, you know, I I stalled for a long time to launch this podcast after I sensed God nudging me to do it. And I kind of politely shook my fist at God and I told him I was tired of getting sledgehammered by people for suggesting that if we did not address a destructive behavior as a seed today, we're going to deal with it as a mighty tree 10 years down the road. And over the course of my life, I have been correct more than I've been incorrect. And I'm not saying that's some marvelous record or anything like that, but I have learned that typically when I see something, I, I live through a decade of ostracizing until it happens. And then people see it and they realize that that I wasn't crazy, that I was actually making a logical argument based on the evidence and the observation around me that a lot of people just were either unable or unwilling to see, typically unwilling to see. And, and that could have made for a very solitary existence for me if I allowed it to, but I don't because I refuse to sit on the bench. And I've been that way since I was a kid. I've been drawing attention to these kind of patterns since I was about 12, because to me, they seem obvious. Um, And I learned quickly that uh, such information like that is hostile to people who hide behind facades or they live in a bubble. 
And there's a lot of uh, people in this world who who do. They hide behind facades or they live in a bubble. And they don't want that facade. They don't like you getting seeing. They don't like if you can see through that facade. And they don't like you intervening with their bubble. And if that bubble could be threatened, even though it's a fake environment inside that bubble, if you pre present evidence that suggests that their bubble is no longer safe or won't be safe and that it is, in fact, a false reality, they become angry and violent. That's just the way things are. I don't know if they are, but they kind of seem a little bit like the wolves in sheep's clothing that Jesus warned us about repeatedly. I just know that there's a lot of them. It's enough that I got quiet. Like, I told God I'd already paid my dues in spades. And that's what I told God. Um, I basically said, find someone else to do the podcast. You know, I don't want to do it. And so I made it clear to God by stalling for months and months that I preferred, you know, someone else to do it. Maybe someone whose body was not already, like, riddled figuratively with decades of scars and war wounds. But back to, co you know, cognitive dissonance, it's a dangerous parking place for any culture, but we've been conditioned to find rest in just such a parking place. A culture that has been conditioned to remain in cognitive dissonance is going to be hostile to anyone who points out chinks in its armor. And that's not something I've had some... I know from experience, but I'm not the only... I'm by no means unique. A lot of people have experienced this. By seeing chinks in armor and trying to point it out, only to have your head handed to you, I don't know. It's it's not pleasant, but anyway, I guess eventually you get used to it. Precognitive dissonance. It's just a word I came up with a while back. I don't even think it is a word, precognitive dissonance. But I think our culture in the U.S., at least here in the U.S., I think we suffer from it. I think we're basically conditioned to believe that something can't be true years or decades before it even appears before us. So, I mean, if I look at the severe mistreatment of good men and fathers, it's a perfect example. It's been going on for, I mean, for over a decade. Over a decade. Let's just be really conservative. And it's been going on for over a decade, but no one has even been willing to acknowledge the issue existed. Not no one. Men have seen it. But typically only men who have experienced it. And a lot of the men who haven't, they, didn't, they weren't even willing to talk about it. They didn't want to acknowledge it. And that's just in men. And then there's women. It, it's just been a subject of which we don't, we don't discuss. But now that, that women have been looking around and asking the question, where have all the good men gone? You know, now it's an issue or it, it will become more of an issue because men have left. Uh, they've been leaving for at least a decade. And we have, we are conditioned in advance to believe something can't be so. So when he gets here, um, and it's standing right in front of us. We are already cognitively dissonant of it. And then we'll argue to our blue in the face that it's not standing right in front of us, regardless of the evidence. Uh, um, at least until the powers that be indicate to the culture that it is uh, now acceptable for us to be aware of it and discuss it. And I've mentioned in previous episodes that I often see things, you know, from an unusual perspective. and and Likely because for as long as I can remember, I realize we are asking the wrong questions the majority of the time. And I think I may have been born with that perspective. I don't know. I have no way to test that. But we ask questions that we've been conditioned to ask. This does all dovetail with this pendulum and 
good men and fathers being severely mistreated over the years, especially over the last decade. It's It's been far worse. Uh, but, you know, as a culture, we ask the questions that we have been conditioned to ask. The ones approved, uh, the ones sent forth by those in, in my opinion, with nefarious purposes for our culture and cultures around the world. Um, and I was able to, like, I can remember even by the age of 11, realizing that we were so often asking the wrong question. And it's almost like something was continually present that wanted to derail the conversation and take it down rabbit chases put it on rabbit chases that really were not the issue at hand. And we were asking the wrong questions and people would debate all these things. And I'm like, wait a minute, why are we even debating this? I don't even think this is the right question. And to me, that seemed intuitive. I just realized it isn't necessarily intuitive to a lot of people. And so anyway, so you've got these, these people with nefarious purposes. I mean, there have been nefarious designs for the people of the world, for we the people, um, and cultures around the world for eons. And it's not that... You know, I mean, they're here today. I mean, we're, they're still here. It's not the same people. But I mean, you know, it's that same mindset being driven by the underworld that controls those who don't have our best interests at heart. And it's not that they're brilliant. I mean, these people with nefarious purposes, they're not brilliant or wise. They're not. I think it really comes down to the fact that the underworld that is driving them, I discuss this in my book, and you can go look at this, or you can go back to episodes, I think, four, five, six, and seven on how to undo a man. I think I spoke about this, uh, the underworld driving so much of what I see. I, th I think those episodes did, it was a four-part series of how to undo a man. I think that was in the series is where I discussed this. But my book also does it far more at length than I want to right now. I think it's just that, that the underworld is smart. Like the people with nefarious purposes are not that much smarter than you or me. They're really not. They're not the sharpest knives in the drawer. They're not brilliant. They're not wise. But the underworld that drives them is a hell of a lot smarter than me. And I'm easy to deceive. And I think that, I think it's just that we are easy to deceive. I think the underworld can deceive us very easily. Anyway, because of that unusual perspective, I, I, I just have... A lot of people will dis would describe me as quirky, which is fine. I embrace that. I'm good with that. And so over the decades, people, are, they've used me as like a sounding board because they know I don't judge somebody. Like I'm not threatened by a, a contrary position or something. Like, I don't like to argue. Um, I just don't see much point in it because when you start arguing, you're basically trying to stand your ground in a stubborn way. The truth is what the truth is. And the truth will... It can withstand criticism. It can withstand questions. It doesn't need to be threatened. There doesn't need to be any hostility. There doesn't need to be raised voices. Like discussion is really, to me, entirely sufficient to flesh out the world around us. And so people have come to me for decades and they'll they'll ask me to, to listen to something, to view it or uh, read something and then give them my take on it. And it's almost always something entirely unconventional or something that the person who asked me to look at it or read it or listen to it, they believe it is intended possibly to deliver some form of deception, but they can't quite get their finger on it. It's just a hunch of theirs. They know I'm going to have an unusual view of it. Not always, but it's just me. I'm just quirky. And so I've always obliged those requests. I don't, you know, as I get time, I'd 
I've read a lot of books that other people have sent me and said, hey, there's something there's something in between the lines. There's something in the shadows of this text, of this book. See if you can put your fingers on it. And so anyway, I just offered them my observations with stuff over time, and I don't have any interest in persuading them that I'm correct or anything. I just offer my observations and move on. So the goal of my life is not to convince you or anyone else of anything, um, but just to help. You know, life is a journey, and I don't have all the answers. In fact, I don't have very many answers at all. But we are all on a journey, and if I can help other people on their journey, and myself, you know, usually this talking out loud helps me too, even if it doesn't help anybody else. Um, and I can't answer for other people's decisions. Only they can answer for that. So I don't, I don't benefit anything by convincing them of something. I don't need to rail and beat my chest and thug them into becoming a clone of me. I, don't, I have no interest in that whatsoever. But a month or two ago, I started getting this dramatically high number of requests from people that were sending me links or uh, commentary, videos, stuff like that. News, not necessarily newsletters. I don't know what, just, just a lot of written stuff, things like that. I start getting this flurry of them. I don't know, maybe a month or two ago, it starts ramping up. And I noticed that they're all... That, they want my take on something, and that something has the same issue. That something is the same issue coming from all over different parts of the country. And it's that something is the mistreatment of good men and fathers. And I think that that issue is about to take center stage, if my hunch is correct. And it's been coming, and I think the pendulum has been hit, and I think that we are going to see this take center stage. And those who know me, I mean, they know I've been advocating for and trying my best to help good men and fathers openly and vocally for a decade now. And so they send me stuff. When they see stuff that kind of showcases like, hey, this 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 magazine or this online whatever is being a, a voice for a severely mistreated good men and fathers, you know, they want me to know about it because they know that that's something personal. And and I've long lamented the utter silence on the subject by our culture. I mean, I've been helping men for probably a decade, about a decade now. Um, but my efforts, they always were kept in the back room. Um, and they were kept in the back room in the shadows by those who, because of a very powerful cognitive dissonance, they refused to acknowledge that the terrible mistreatment of good men and fathers was anything larger than a marginal or isolated issue. And that is the context in which I've lived for a decade, and then something just changed. Uh, I mean, you know, God's been bringing me broken men and fathers, churches and organizations, and other men who didn't feel, uh, maybe they felt ill-equipped to help these men. You know, they wind up getting sent to me, and I don't know why, because I'm just a quirk, quirky dork. But I do have a heart for good men and fathers who are being mistreated. And nobody would ever hear me. Like For at least the past eight years, I have been screaming that the mistreatment of good men and fathers had reached a pandemic proportions. And nobody would hear it. Nobody wanted to hear it. Those issues were just marginal or isolated. And that's because we live in a gynocentric culture. And that, you know, that culture that's geared entirely entirely 
around and for women and against good men and fathers. And again, I think that's by design. When you couple that gynocentric culture with cognitive dissonance on the part of everybody else or a lot of other people, you have this this seemingly... uh, Uh, What I've been looking at is this seemingly impregnable cultural fortress that was erected against good men and fathers, sort of like the the ancient city of Jericho. And I have known that with enough patience and prayer, that not ancient Jericho, but this cultural Jericho would meet my God. Just like the physical Jericho, the physical, ancient, impregnable fortress of Jericho did long ago. Right before its walls, you know, it had mighty walls. Um, They crumbled and collapsed without a single human hand being laid upon it because it met my God. And I knew that this cultural Jericho, this cultural fortress that has been formed against good men and fathers would also meet my God. It was just a matter of time. And not that this is something I am causing to come into being. It's just something that I knew was coming. And so now that cultural moment, it's, it's arriving. And it's, it's seemingly from out of nowhere because it is out of nowhere. And I again, by design. Perhaps just as much so out of necessity because of the stand that good men and fathers have taken. I, it, again, it's not organic. What The response that men gave to the assault that was put upon them, I believe, was independent, organic, and it, it, it had a very powerful collective effect on our culture, our economy, and we're only, we're not, we haven't seen the fullness of it yet. But that cultural moment, that cultural Jericho, it's here. It popped in out of nowhere. I was never a Star Trek fan, but I remember from the movies the Star Trek movies, that, that there were ships that used cloaking devices, and that made them invisible to most everybody. But those cloaked ships, if I'm remembering this right, I was in, insanely younger when I saw a Star Trek movie, and that's probably maybe 30 years ago. I don't know. It may not be that long, but it seems like it's been that long ago. So the, the ship was cloaked. The enemy ship would be cloaked, and it was invisible. But there were some in the crew who were not part of the group think of the rest of the crew that detected something, an anomaly that made them realize there was a very good chance there was a cloaked enemy ship off the starboard bow or whatever. I don't know. Off of something. You know, out there, not very far away, within striking distance. And the siege against good men and fathers, it's been going on for decades in the U.S. and and many other nations, has been a cloaked ship. And I, again, by design, it's cloaked, but it's it's also been re- it has also been readily detectable to anybody not blinded by cognitive dissonance or uh, media deception. Only crazy people could see the assault against good men and fathers. Only crazy people could see that by design. What I've noticed in the past month or two is the cloaking device has been turned off. And the discussion of the mistreatment of good men and fathers that has been going on for decades is suddenly and rapidly rising through the halls of our culture by design. Just like in that Star Trek thing, you know, somebody says, oh, no, you know, nobody sees anything. Somebody says, nope, there's 
I believe there could be a cloaked enemy ship right out there. And then when the ship uncloaked, you know, the whole ships, the discussion starts rifling through the whole ship. Suddenly there's just chaos. All of this stuff. Oh my God, there's a ship. You you know, like, like again, go back to episode 75. I, I don't talk about Star Trek in that one. I don't really talk about Star Trek ever, except for just right at this moment, apparently. But men from all over the country are sending me sound bites. They're sending me video links, commentary, and what here's something else, another pattern. A lot of the material I'm getting, I've noticed, is from the same cast of fear mongerers who wrote and monetized the three years of fear campaign of 2020 to 2022. And now this same cast of characters. It's like they uniform, like they they've uniformly switched, almost as if a switch were thrown, and all of them decided that the mistreatment of good men and fathers is now the most important subject in the world to talk about. I mean, I agree that this is a very critical discussion about the mistreatment of good men and fathers. It's a very critical discussion that must take place, or our culture is going to break apart. I just find it no small coincidence that the trendy people across what appears to be multiple forms of media. Now, are, they're all suddenly struck with the exact same idea that the mistreatment of good men and fathers, it, like it must be talked about now. Even though they refused, these same people refused to acknowledge its existence until only a month or two ago. So someone has turned off the cloaking device on this issue. And something that has been going on at insanely alarming lo- like levels For well over a decade, something patently obvious to anyone crazy enough and willing to see it was utterly invisible until just a month or two ago. So that which was non-existent only weeks or months ago is going to become headline material. And I know better than to see this as a benevolent shift. It is not a benevolent shift by design. And I believe that this is nothing more than another attempt to continue division among us, we the people. And whoever's turned off that cloaking device has hit the pendulum to swing at the other direction, to the extreme of the other direction. This is not a surprise to those of us with eyes to, eyes to see and ears to hear. We have seen this coming. At the beginning of this episode, yeah, I, I said I wasn't going to rehash previous episodes, so I'll, I'll leave you with a few parting thoughts and encourage you to listen to episode 75 for the last time. So the decades in the making severe treatment of good men and fathers in our culture here in the U.S., it has been obvious out in the open for over a decade, for over a decade, for over a decade, the metaphorical bodies of good men and fathers have been piling up all around us right out in the open, but we've been unwilling to see or discuss it let alone even acknowledge that those are the, that they're there that those men are even there casualties of this gynocentric extreme pendulum swing in favor of women and against men and then now suddenly bam well I'll be damned all those casualties are there it, guess what uncloaked i think it's by design uh, the the mistreatment of good men and fathers you know, I mentioned a little bit ago that like when the powers that be, you know, basically indicate that a subject is now approved to discuss and you're allowed to have conversation about it. I think that the mistreatment of good men and fathers is now an approved discussion topic 
And I think the foot race to be the first trendy person to discuss the next approved trendy thing has commenced. The trend, the next trendy conversation, headline, center stage, is the severe mistreatment of good men and fathers in our culture. And I would guess, because this, is, this, this impacts many cultures, the same thing that's happening in the U.S. is happening across a bunch of cultures in the, in the world. The exact same thing, the same severe mistreatment of good men and fathers. Again, I explore this in previous episodes, probably my, some of my earlier ones on this podcast, and I discuss it at length in my book, and I don't want to wear it out here. So those who have, those who don't have our best interests at heart have already poked a bear. That would be good men and fathers. They've poked that bear in the eye. And I think they're going to need to move at breakneck speed to try to get, I would venture to guess in the U.S., there are tens of thousands of good men and fathers who have had somebody, they've been on the business end of a person or persons trying to destroy them. Somebody from their own family, a wife, uh, more than likely a wife, trying to destroy them. And like around the world, hundreds of thousands of men. I think that's probably a very safe estimate based on the conversations that I have been watching in other countries take place. Okay, so now the men have left. They've poked these men in the eye. It's a bear. But now they got to get these men back on the reservation. Um, and I think they're, they're going to try it. But I think they will, in large part, I think they're going to fail to get men back on the reservation as a whole. And I think that we, I mean, and by that I mean men, are not going back onto the reservation. But that's a subject for another episode. Let me put this concluding thought before you. I've contended many times throughout this podcast that the enemy of tyranny is a people who are united with each other. When we stand together as fellow countrymen, united, united not with the powers, not, not with the powers that be, but when we're united with each other, our leaders must follow us and we will lead this nation from the bottom up, which has not been the case in the United States for many, many years now. But in my opinion, it has become absolutely necessary. Uh, that sudden um, that sudden uncloaking of the mistreatment of good men and fathers that's been taking place for many years now is not happening because the powers that be and trendy media people give a crap about men or women or children or any of us as a people because they don't. Most of them are tools who are being used to knock the pendulum to the opposite extreme so that we, the people, can be transitioned from one form of division to another form of division. Because, you know, when you prevent people, preventing people from uniting with one another across an entire culture, that's how tyrants destroy cultures. It's how they harvest power from the people. And it's how they rebuild a culture in their own twisted and dark image. And we as men are in a position to prevent that from happening, at least here in the U.S. And, and possibly you got the same issue in other countries. I don't know. But as far as this goes, I think that we as men are positioned to like prevent this rebuilding of our culture in a twisted and dark image of nefarious minds that are working to ruin this culture so they can rebuild it in their own image. I don't want that. I don't know many people who do. And there's going to be some of you who say, ah, it couldn't possibly happen. Uh, you know, Justin, you're just, uh, you're just being paranoid. 
No one's trying to make the world in their own twisted and dark image. If that's you, if you're the one saying that, I would say just go ahead and put on your outdoor seat belt, your outdoor seat belt, install your mask and go sit quietly at the table because I'm not talking to you. I'm not speaking to you. Uh, but to all of the other men out there listening, all of you, the pendulum has been hit. And it's I think it's been hit with enough force to intentionally knock it past its central resting position, past that position of be of not beast, that position of peace, that position of balance to swing the culture heavily in favor of men and against women. Basically the opposite of where the pendulum has been resting. And I know that hundreds of thousands of you across the world have been hurt. I I have no doubt of that. Hundreds of thousands of you men. And that will be alarming to a lot of women. But you're out here by the tens and hundreds of thousands. That's not hyperbole. Okay, so the the pendulum is is going to it's swinging to the opposite. Um, but there's a hundred, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of you, of you out there. I don't know how many of you actually might be listening. Maybe there's like two people listening, and you've been you've been hurt, uh, possibly severely hurt, maybe even nearly destroyed by the gyno that gynocentric apex of the pendulum swing that was initiated in the late 1960s. And even if those wounds are still fresh, that is the past, and we have to leave it in the past, or we perish as a culture. Your culture will perish. And I'm not talking only to U.S. culture. Uh, The gynocentric pendulum swing happened throughout much of the world, and it's left countless good men and fathers as casualties heaped on the ground around it. But the game just changed, and we must delineate that. We must delineate the past from the present, and whatever was only even weeks or months ago in our life, It cannot be allowed to creep in and influence the future. This cannot be a revenge. That's You want to put it in layman's terms? They're bumping the pendulum back so that men, they want men to take the position of, oh, we'll show you, we're going to win. It's in a nutshell revenge, which is anybody with any more sense than a penny or a bag of hammers knows that revenge never ends. And it never bears good fruit. It just is a cycle of hate that goes back and forth. We don't need that. We don't want that. We don't need it. So if we love our people, if you love your people and you love your culture, as men, we have to stand on the wall and we have to stop that pendulum when it gets down to that central resting position, that position of healthy balance, of peace between men and women. We can, we can get it there and we can stop it there. And we have to do this for our sake. We have to do it for women's sake, for our children's sake, and for the sake of future generations. We must, we have to do this. I mean, we have, we the people, we have to do this. No culture can survive an unlimited number of impacts from the sledgehammer of division. And none of us should be willing to gamble that we can survive one more blow with that sledgehammer or from that sledgehammer. And I would argue that our culture here in the U.S. is already severely cracked and that, uh, you know, very few impacts will probably, very few impacts will be required to break it. I don't know how else to put it. By design. And your culture may be in the same position. You know, long before I wrote my latest book or I launched this podcast, I was bringing men together so that men might heal each other. And that's a simple process 
given if you give it varying degrees of time, it works like a champ. And my goal for this podcast remains the same as that short one-sentence boilerplate I added below the title when I launched it. It's bringing men together so we can heal each other. That's it. Stopping tyranny really is that simple. Uh, because a man, a man who's put together and complete will, by his very nature, in my experience, reach around him and help his wife, help his girlfriend, help his children, help his neighbor to heal. A man who's put together, again, by his very nature, he's going to step in and defend those who are too weak to defend themselves against an adversary. He's going to, when you take a man who's put together, he's going to strengthen and help other men around him when life has knocked the wind out of them. A man put together... He's going to associate himself with other men who are put together. And they will, again, by nature, come together as a collective to protect and defend that which is the right thing to do. They're going to to stand between their cultures and the enemies of their cultures. Well, the enemies are at the door now. They're hunting your culture just as they're hunting mine. In my book, which has the same title as this podcast, I contended that the healing of our nation has to begin with the healing of men, the men of our nation, and that it you know that it has to begin immediately. Back then, I mean, it's 2020; it's not that long ago, but that it had to start immediately, and it's the only way that we, the people, would begin healing and standing again as one people. You know, a house divided against itself will fall. And a nation of people standing united with each other as we the people, that's the nightmare of tyrants. Because a united we the people is a body so large that no force of tyranny could stand against it and survive. A couple months ago, I started mapping out the direction I want to take this podcast. I, I, didn't, I didn't start this podcast to beat a dead horse. And I wanted to further healthy discussions about healing us as a people, specifically us as men and women, how we relate to one another, because we've become severely divided. In in my opinion, that's by design. Again, pretty constant theme, in my opinion, throughout cultures around the world. That direction includes bringing well-grounded women who also have a heart for healing the people of our nation. I want to bring them into the discussion. I'm many episodes ahead right now, but some interviews and discussions with women will begin. They'll, they'll start folding into the lineup in the near future. And the central focus of the podcast will remain trying to help men heal. Uh, but I'm also blessed to know and, I, uh, and keep meeting some exceptional women who, as it turns out, would also love for men to have a chance to heal. And they want to play a part in helping that happen. Anyway, that's going to be a new uh kind of a new uh, layer of the podcast that we'll, I'll be folding in starting in the near future. Um, if you haven't been listening to the Men You're Not Alone podcast, you likely don't know much about me or this. But anyway, just it, just so you know, this is not a source of income for me. I don't do this for money uh, or likes or some kind of validation. Um, doing this podcast actually costs me money. I have no idea how many downloads it gets. I don't keep up with anything. I don't I don't care what people think about it. I don't care. Um, this has never been about me empire building. This has always been about me doing something within 
my limited capacity and my limited abilities to make a positive impact in my culture and hopefully other cultures. And I do this because my heart, it's a passion. I do this because my heart is broken for how broken our people are, my people are, and I will not sit on the sideline and do nothing. I'm not that kind of man. But being a, like, this is a no budget operation. I've ordered this inexpensive device that might let me, it might allow me to interview people via the phone, uh, which would, if it works, allow me to expand the reach, the geographical reach of this podcast vastly. Um, I should be getting that device soon. And I mean, I'll believe it when I see it, that it is capable of giving me acceptable audio or good audio once I've tested it, heard it with my own year, own ears, but not until then. But if it is capable of decent audio, uh, the geographical reach, I've, I've long, I've earnestly wanted to do this to expand those horizons. I don't like small worlds. I just don't like being in a small world. I don't like thinking in a small world. It's a lot. I've traveled way too much. So I like varying opinions. I like people from different areas. I like different cultural takes on stuff. I enjoy it. Anyway, I'll, that was just a couple of quick pieces of news. So let me wrap it up. So the, in a nutshell, the powers that be, they're going to try to drive the pendulum to the opposite extreme. It's already in motion. They put it in motion a month or two ago. And that is to transform our culture to be heavily in favor of men and against women. And as men, we have to collectively grab that pendulum when it falls to center, when it falls to a balanced position and prevent it from swinging in our favor at the expense of women. See, women didn't stop this when they just embraced it. And look at the damage it has done to you as men, as a man. Look at the men around you. Look at the good men and fathers around you. See, women didn't drop an arm and say, they didn't come together and say, hurry up and grab the pendulum. Because when it starts gaining us a bunch, and when it gives to us, it takes from men, See, they didn't. They let it run unchecked until it, it, it basically it swung as high as it could. And now we find ourselves in this mess here. But this is not about revenge. I've said this myriad times on this podcast. I am not anti-women, not by any stretch of the imagination. I just happen to be focused on men. But I don't know how to help women better than helping men. And to help do my part the best I can to help men stand up, that's what I know to do. If if you disagree with that, go start your own freaking podcast and pay for it. It's fine with me. But like as men, we can do this. We can prevent that pendulum from swinging past center. I mean, we I think we have to because we risk the next collision of that hammerhead being the one that breaks our culture apart. I mean, what are we willing to gamble? Are we willing to gamble this isn't it? What if it is? And this breaks our culture apart. And, you know, there's exponentially, think about the number of men on this planet or on this earth, whatever. Think about the number of men in your country. There's exponentially far more of you than there are of the nefarious minds that have less than good designs for us, we the people. I mean, exponentially more. We are fully capable of leading our nation, I can speak from the U.S., we are fully capable of leading our nation from the bottom up, culturally at least. I mean, maybe not making policy decisions or 
foreign policy, things like that. But as far as the cultural momentum of our culture, we can, we are fully capable of coming together and leading that from the bottom up. And all we have to do to, all that's required of us is to make the choice to do it. And if you find yourself in another country, I think it probably applies to you. I don't, I can't speak for your country, but I am speaking for mine, at least my perspective of it. Anyway, that's enough babble for this episode. I thank you for listening and I'll catch you on the next one.